let's enter a time when we kind of encounter God's word together. We've been going through a series about some hard sayings of Jesus. The ones that are a little bit difficult to understand. The ones that's like, that's not the Jesus I thought I knew. Why did he say that? So let's pray and make sure our hearts are receptive, ready to hear God and how he speaks to us. Father, we do ask that you would speak and you would speak clearly and you would speak powerfully uh, to us uh, from your word. Lord, we don't want to just hear. Help us do what you say. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. What do you think of when you think of the word united? Maybe it's like United Airlines, which is requiring all of their employees to be vaccinated. They're not feeling as united about that, I don't think. But there's United Airlines. We think of our Olympic women's in gymnastics teams. I always find that odd. They have their individual things, but then they're a team. And there's always like, we're all together, but then you do your individual performances. I always think of a team more like, you know, like soccer or something where they're all working together. But, but they work together to try to achieve. And, and maybe you think of that. Or maybe you think, oh, we're working together as a um, COVID. There's these things that when you think of the word united. Well, in Christianity, we often think about unity. Unity in Christ. What does it mean to be united as Christians? Does that mean united with our other brothers and sisters who are not part of this congregation but are still part of the larger body of Christ? Do we think of it as unity between how different denominations maybe work together? What do we think of when we think of united in terms of Christianity? Well, Jesus talks a great deal about being united and about unity. In John 17, when Jesus prays, and he prays right before the going to the cross, and he prays for his people who are yet to believe in him, the disciples who are to come, he says this in John 17, My prayer is not for them alone, meaning his immediate disciples who were with him. But he says, I also pray for those who believe in me through their message. Okay, who's he praying for? That's kind of cool. Jesus was praying for us. Those who would believe in the message of Jesus Christ has been passed down through the ages. He's praying for us. And what does he pray? That all of them might be one or might be unified, Father. Just as you are in me and I and in them. He's praying that there would be this unity amongst believers, right? That we would be one. Can you tell it's business meeting day? (laughs) <laughs> We're praying that we would be one. We pray that we all have one heart and mind, that we know the Lord. Okay, here's these are the easy sayings of Jesus. I'm all for it. Um, you know, um, I don't know if you grew up going to church and had like a youth group. We're really excited about uh, possibilities of reestablishing what the youth group might look like this next year. Uh, but what about a youth group? Uh, what was that experience for you? I mentioned to some of you last week that I went to Falls Creek and went to the little youth camp. And some of you were like, oh yeah, I went there too. Bunny and I both I shared that experience, right? Um, In youth group, there was always this unity moment. It was at the end of camp when everybody's like crying and, oh, I'm so sorry I was mean to you. You know, middle schoolers sometimes were not always nice to each other. And, you know, we'll all be unified and we'll be all together. And there's. Anybody have that experience? You remember that? 
And then, like, the week later, there's all the cliques that started again and all the groups that formed again. And, you know, there was just sort of that unity moment. I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about. It was a deep unity, a unity of Jesus being Lord, of following his direction and calling in our lives. But in the moment, we see Jesus say something different. This is the hard saying of Jesus. In Luke 12, Jesus says something surprising. Look at Luke 12, verse 51. And this is our focal passage for today. In Luke 12, it says, Do you think that I came to bring peace on the earth? My answer right then would be, yes. (laughs) Jesus, peace, right? Prince of peace, we call him. You know, Christmas, it's all about peace and love. Anybody with me? The answer is yes, Jesus. Did you come to bring peace? Yes. And he's like, no, but division. It had to be a trick question. It had to be. It's a trick question. Because all the way through the Bible, it talks about peace. Look at some of these passages. Matthew 5, 9, for example, says, Blessed are the peacemakers. In James chapter 3, verse 18, it says, Peacemakers are the ones who sow in peace will reap a harvest of righteousness. In Colossians 3.15, it's the same thing. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Now, in that particular passage, Colossians 3.15, he's not talking about tranquility. He is not saying, oh, peace of Christ. You know, so that kind of like, take a deep breath and calm. That's not what he's talking about. He's actually talking about since you as members of one body were called to peace. He's talking about peace in our relationships with each other. We are called to this. So why in the world would Jesus say, Nope, didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring division. That makes me scratch my head. Jesus, what are you talking about? I had an old professor uh, when I was in college. His name was Mac Roark. Um, he was one of my favorites. And he had a phrase that he, would taught, he taught Bible and New Testament, some of those kind of things. And he said, a text or a scripture without a context is a pretext. Well, you know, pretext is like pretending to interpret or pretending to understand. He would say a text, a scripture verse, without understanding the context, you're just pretending. So let's look at the context of what Jesus was saying. In Luke chapter 12, he said, I have come to bring a fire on the earth, and how I wish it was already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what a constraint I am under until it's completed. Okay, what's going on there? I have a fire to bring on the earth. Anybody, what kind of fire was Jesus bringing? Now, if you're thinking, wait, it's time to like cook the hamburgers, I'm like, okay, you know, who's bringing the fire? Let's get the flames started. Okay, Jesus, we're kind of hungry too. That's not what he was talking about. I have a fire to bring on the earth. He wasn't talking about a forest fire. He wasn't talking about a literal fire. Obviously, I think Jesus was talking about a movement of the people of God, where he was going to bring people into a relationship with God, and that they would spread that good news of the Messiah King. They would spread that opportunity to have a real relationship with him. They would, as sister Brenda was saying uh, people would be able to cry out the name of Jesus and find salvation and find hope and find life and find peace and find joy and find relationships and meaningful purpose that he had a fire to bring and there's a fire to come I was about to say on our campus because I am ready for the college students to come back because there is a fire we've been praying about it about students are coming back and we want to see the fire of God move across that campus for people to enter that real relationship with him Jesus had come to bring a fire but that kingdom of God could not start until something had to happen first he says but I have a baptism to undergo 
He had already done the whole baptism with John at this point. He's not talking about a literal, physical, go-under-the-water baptism. Here he is talking about going to the cross, where he would lay down his life, where he would be beaten, ripped apart, have his, have his hands and feet nailed to a, to a tree, hang there, struggling to breathe, dying for and suffering for hours to pay for the sins of humanity, and then undergo death itself. And finally, three days later, resurrection. To bring to us that new movement. To bring to us that fire. He said, I've got a baptism to undergo. I've got to go undergo through this first. And I am, I am stuck. I am ready for the fire to be unleashed. I am ready for the movement of God to happen. I am ready for people to come to know me. And come to know that fullness of life. But it can't happen until the cross. And until that until that moment, I, I, some of our friends from MCC are here. The word is taptape, right? I'm constrained. I am, I am held back. I am, I am under this weight and I can't go forward. That's the right word, right, Steve? Taptape? Yeah, okay. Uh, all right. the, the, the Korean word, it, it, we don't have an English equivalent. But it, but it really means like, I, 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 I'm, just, I'm sort of stuck here under pressure and I just, I want to break out. I want to break free. When Jesus says he's come to bring division, he's talking about first going to the cross, launching this movement, and then he says, do you think that I've come? Go ahead and flip to the next verse. Do you think that I've come to bring peace on earth? No, but division. Why division? Why there, when he's talking about this this incredible movement of God, when he's talking about this relationship with God, when he's talking about this new life, Does he stop to talk about division? Well, because there's a great divide. There is a great divide. Anybody been there? Continental divide? You've been there, kind of gone out to Colorado or, you know, Utah or something? There's a map that's going to pop up. Um, There is the great continental divide. You know, in the United States, it's in the western part of the United States. All the rain that comes on the east side of that great continental divide flows east. All the water that falls on the west side flows west to the Pacific. It's either going to the Gulf of Mexico, going to the Atlantic, or going to the Pacific. That's the great continental divide. We have other great divides in our world. Some are political. Some are socioeconomic. Some are racial divides that happen in this country. Some are philosophical. He is not talking about those. You can flip to the next slide. It is not any of those great divides. What Jesus is talking about is a spiritual divide. A spiritual divide that's based on faith in Him. You see, Jesus says that we are called to bring people into a new life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, From now on, we don't regard someone from a worldly point of view. What's the worldly point of view? Oh, you're like me. We're same socioeconomic status. Oh, you're like me. We're, we're the same political party. Oh, you're not like me. You don't have the same views. Oh, you're not like me. We divide. He's not talking about that. He's saying we don't look at that anymore. Oh, they're rich, they're poor, they're black, they're white, they're, they're smart, they're, they're less educated, they're, they're this. Oh, we don't look at people this way anymore. That's not the divide that Jesus has come to bring. That, he's trying to bring all people together. With the divide we have now, look at what he says. Though once we regarded Christ this way, we do so long, no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. You understand what the divide is? 
even in my class, it's not passing or failing. <laughs> it's do you have Jesus or do you not have Jesus? Have you been born again, Jesus talks about. Do you have the new life? Do you have Jesus? Because if you have Jesus, we're brothers and sisters. If you have Jesus, we're one family. If you have Jesus, it doesn't matter what your views are. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. It doesn't Because we have become part of the family of God. And you are on the bus or you are off the bus. You are in the family or you are out of the family. That is the great divide for Christianity. That if he has come to light a fire, start a movement, and that movement, he says, are going to divide. Because people are going to accept him, choose him, believe him, or reject him. He goes on to say in that Luke chapter 12 that there will be a family of five. And in that family of five, there will be two against one and three against two. Yeah, it was two against three and three against two. A mother against a daughter, a father against a son, a mother-in-law against a daughter-in-law. It's like, yeah, sometimes the mother-in-law, daughter-in-law thing. We don't know about that one. But, but that's not what he's talking about. He's saying they are divided over Jesus and whether they have faith in him. On the bus or off the bus. College stuff is coming. I miss my college mission trips. Though i got to be honest, I am not the most detailed person in the world. I need people to help me keep track of details. And I have learned to value people like Cindy. Cindy, I love you. She's really <laughs> keeps the details coming together. She really does. If you knew what the office looked like during the week. Okay, she really helps keep the details going. Before I had some people like Cindy in my life, it was just me. It was a recipe for disaster. We took a mission trip, 50 college students on a bus from New York to Pascagoula, Mississippi. We were rebuilding houses after Hurricane Katrina, sharing the love of Jesus. It was going to be an amazing trip. I was so excited. And everybody went, listen, it's a long bus ride. Go to the bathroom. We're all at the university. Everybody's going in to go into the bathroom. Everybody got, we got back on the bus. We started heading towards Mississippi. Here we come. And all of a sudden, a little ways into the trip, someone's like, there was somebody sitting next to me before. And then another hand went up. Yeah, yeah, somebody was sitting here before too. And then <clears throat> they weren't on the bus. They were on the bus, then they were off the bus, and now they weren't on the bus now. And then I had left some people. <clears throat> we went back and got them. It worked out okay. Bus driver was a little upset, but you know, we, 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 we got it taken care of. Okay, what's, what's the point? I think sometimes we, we forget. People are on the bus or off the bus. We have a relationship with Jesus. We have new life in Him. Or we're missing it. We're missing this great fire that Jesus has set on the earth. This great movement of God. This salvation. This great relationship. We miss it. And we don't realize that maybe some people that we love and care about. Some strangers even that we don't know yet. That are called to be part of this family. Are missing it. Because we haven't shared with them the good news of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it goes on to say, All of this is from God, who has reconciled us to himself, and he gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. So how do we relate to these people who are apart from Christ? They are not part of the church. They haven't come in. They, they are on the outside. They're not on the bus with us. How do we relate to them? We fight. Wait, fight? Well, yeah. We fight for them. We fight 
for souls. We don't fight with them. You see, so often we somehow created some kind of like cultural war. Like, oh, well, the Christians are over here and the non-Christians over here and we're arguing back and forth about all kinds of issues in society. It's like they know that we are what we're against, but that we don't, they don't, people don't experience the fact that we are for them. Jesus came into the world to save sinners, to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came for us and he rescued us and we're just like the guys who got rescued first. More people can come. The boat's not full. Let's go. Everybody is welcome. We fight for souls. Listen to what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you. If you are here today and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, maybe you're a college student, maybe you're a young adult, maybe you're a child, maybe you're an older adult, it doesn't matter. Jesus says, come. We implore you, be reconciled to God. That's our first step. That's our first step. And now God is making us ambassadors of that message. We implore others, come, be reconciled to God. We fight for people, not with people. Well... We also fight on our knees. We fight on our knees. And can I just be real bold? Not so much on social media. That's become one of the new things of our day, right? I'm so old that when I first went to college my freshman year, we had a little telephone in our dorm room. We had a telephone. Now you're thinking, ah, ha, ha, a telephone, like an actual physical thing. Uh, but it had a brand new, super high-tech system called the Audix system. And you would punch in your code into the telephone. Never had this before. We used to have answering machines, but it was a built-in answering machine. Oh, yeah, in the phone. It was amazing to me. I was just awed by the technology of the world. And it would say, you have three new voice mail messages. And I was like, okay, very neat. I spent the first two weeks of school wondering <clears throat> why I was only getting voice male messages and no voice female messages. How in the world does the machine tell the difference? And I was sure hoping some girls would call. It, it didn't make any sense, right? I was like, Ugh. okay, that was the new technology of the day. Our new technology is the social media. Our technology is a platform where we feel like we can put out every thought we have because the world is so blessed by that. Can I be honest with you? A lot of our thoughts, the world's not really blessed with. Maybe we just need to kind of keep it to ourselves. Maybe the political things and maybe some of our views on economics and maybe some of our... You might even be right. I'm not saying you're not right. Well, you might not be right. I mean, I'm not right, but I probably am. But hey, here's the deal. Maybe we should be fighting on our knees and spending less time typing something up and posting it up there and putting some people on our prayer list to say, God, would you work in their lives? God, would you heal? God, would you intervene? God, would you break through? God, would you continue to work? Maybe we need to be fighting on our knees here at Valley Baptist Church instead of on social media. Colossians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is talking about sharing the message of Jesus, and he uses three times before he even mentions telling people about Jesus, he talks about prayer. Picking up in verse 3, it says, and pray for us that God might open the door for our message so that we might proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am changed. Pray for open doors. Pray for those who need to know Jesus. And finally, we fight. 
but we fight with Christ-likeness, not with constant criticism. Sometimes we're just so quick to condemn every person and everything instead of showing the love of Jesus. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes we need to tell the truth about certain behaviors and certain, I mean, certain things that people have done because telling the truth is the loving thing. Sometimes we're quick to speak. In Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter says it this way, But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord, revere Christ as Lord, and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the hope and the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Miss Lee and I were talking right before the service, and she said, how do you teach philosophy classes? Well, that's got to be out there. And I'm thinking, oh, I love teaching philosophy classes. That gives me an opportunity to share about Jesus. It gives me an opportunity, as I'm proclaiming the different philosophies of the world and helping them understand the different views, how all of them actually can relate and sometimes are empty, and who Jesus is. And chapter 2 on the textbook is, does God exist? And I'm like, oh, well, you just threw a, threw a nice slow pitch right across the middle. You know? Thank you for that opportunity to proclaim Jesus. But I need to do it with gentleness and respect. I'm your professor. I'm not your preacher in the moment. So how do I show you the love of God? Let's fight for people, not with people. Let's fight on our knees. Let's fight with Christ's likeness. And tonight, today, I want to end with sort of one more thought. What is the division? If we're supposed to be unified in the church, if we're supposed to have unity, what does that mean for us inside the church? How do we relate to people inside the body of believers, but especially inside this body of believers? Well, first and foremost, it's love. It's love, right? You know that. Love one another. Read First John. If we don't have love and claim that we know Christ, you say you lie and you deceive yourselves. It's absolutely love. So go ahead and flip to this next little slide here. And go ahead and go to the next one. Because we know it's love. But how about love in business meeting? Now some of you are going, uh, of course it's easy. I used to do business meetings with a group of college students as our college church. That was easy. <laughs> it wasn't any problem. But you know that this church has had some difficult business meetings in the past. There have been times when it felt like the love you have for one another sort of can melt down. Well, here's what I think the scripture challenges us to. Number one, love enough to listen. Love enough to listen first. In James chapter 1, it says it this way. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I'll tell you, when I disagree, my, my defenses go straight up. The hair on the back of my neck, well, I don't think it literally does, but you know, like a dog's do that, they, their hair goes up. It's like the hair on the back of my neck sort of stands up. I can feel my body tense. I can get, I can get you know, it's fighting mode. I, I, you disagree with me. Well, well, let's figure that out. Slow down. Listen to what people need to say. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to speak. And definitely slow to become angry. There's just no place for that. We need to be those who truly love each other. Remember the example we had about six months ago of tug of war? That's when we can get a rope and we put our little preschoolers and they all, you know, pulling and pulling. And, and there's going to be winners and losers. Someone's going to get pulled over into the mud and someone, we don't actually use mud, but, you know, someone could get pulled over into the mud and someone's going to lose. 
Or sometimes we have a game where we bring up this parachute where all the kids hold the edges and they all are pulling and then you put a ball in the middle and they can bounce it around or they can throw it up in the air and get under it. Together, the pulling allows us to play the game. But there aren't winners and losers. There's working together to get a good perspective. There's those that see the glass as half empty. There's those that see the glass as half full. You realize it's the same glass. But we need each other to get the right perspective. Let's love each other enough to listen. Let's love each other enough to accept one another. What does that mean? Well, look, we talked about this in a whole sermon, so we won't go there long. But in Romans 14, you, why do you judge your brother or sister, Romans 14? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all sit before the judgment seat of Christ. You know what that means, right? Contempt. We start disliking one another. We need to accept and love each other. And finally today, and this is a toughie, but we need to love each other enough to warn one another when we're out of bounds. Warn one another when we're out of bounds. In Titus chapter 3, it says, Warn a divisive person once, and then warn them a second time, so that, and after that, have nothing to do with them. Okay, there's a lot of things to give warning about, but today I feel like we, and I'm not actually expecting our business team, this has been a sweet spirit and it has been a great time these last seven months or so together. But I do think we need to warn, take this warning to heart in our society today. We need to have the warning about being divisive. Being divisive. What does that mean? Well, that's a person who seeks to divide, Right? When you have to say, or, or you're on my team, right? You guys over here, because you know those guys over there. Or, hey, you want to join my team? Yeah, take my side. We take a label, and we don't like them over there. <laughs> All of a sudden, if you are dividing the body of Jesus, not working together, not trying to seek to understand the different perspectives, not trying to, you are being divisive. I think there's another way. In our world today, when we are bringing inside the church all of the things that are dividing the world outside of the church, and we want to talk about all of these things, and we bring it here, could we spend the time here talking about Jesus? (laughs) Could we spend the time here talking about God's Word? Could we spend the time here building up the body of Christ? Because we don't know God's Word well enough. Why are we spending our time talking about all the things that are on the news today? Now, there's things we need to be praying for. I'm not saying to be isolated. What I'm saying is we need to be careful not to be divisive within the body of Jesus about things that the world is divided about. I'm going to go ahead and make a confession for my wife. She's. Can you confess for somebody else? She's not here today. She's had surgery this week. She's kind of isolating. She's a Dallas Cowboys fan. I, I know, I know, I tried. Now, there's the Ravens, the Cowboys, I, I get it. Um, but here's the deal. Um, we're not going to bring that kind of stuff here, right? I mean, we, we don't divide. I mean, that's a joke. We don't divide over our favorite sports teams. But we can divide over politics. We can divide over other things. We need to take this warning. Warn a divisive person once and kind of help each other. Warn them a second time if we need to. And then thirdly, we get out the duct tape. I'm just no, I'm kidding. We don't have duct tape. But I think we need to be very, very careful as a body. Okay? We need to be very careful. Today, 
as we kind of conclude the service, I think the first question is this, or the challenge is this. Let's fight for the world and definitely not with each other. Today, perhaps you thought, you know, I heard some things today that make me want to be part of this congregation. I think God is calling me to be a member here. I think I want to be with this group of people that bring about a unified body of Jesus where all people are and their gifts are encouraged and sought out to bless the world and to make Jesus known. If that's you today, while we're singing these couple of songs, you might want to come on down. There's some of you here that you realize you're not on the bus yet. But you're like... You know, I'm convinced. I'm there. I'm ready. Put me on. I want, don't, don't leave me behind. I need Jesus in my life, and I need that forgiveness. If that's you today, just come on down. Um, while everybody's singing, nobody's watching, nobody cares, you come on down and become a member. Become, accept Jesus as your Savior. You come and respond to Him. We invite you to take this time to respond how God is calling you. The music team is going to come and lead us in a few more songs, but you come and respond the way God is calling you. This need continuing to be there, and I really, uh, it's really been a delight to see all that has been accomplished, but there's so much more that can be done, uh, not only to give the kids an education, but also to teach them about Jesus. And so... uh, We are one of several churches that are supporting this program, and we really encourage you uh, to give. Let's uh, have uh, a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we are thankful for the wonderful gift you've given to us, for a relationship with you here and now, and an, an eternal relationship with you. And Lord, we thank you for the witness and the ministry of Whitney and those who are working with her reach these young children who would never have an opportunity but now have an opportunity not only to get an education but to learn about you and to spread your word uh, throughout the, their communities and throughout the world. And Lord, we also pray for our other ministries that are here in our community, for ACTC and for the work that they are doing to help uh, people in our community with food and with other resources. But Lord, again, to show the love of Jesus, and that we really care for those in our community. Uh, We pray for those who are teaching in the uh, school here to the young preschool children, and we thank you for their ministry, and they're just spreading the word and really uh, beginning to bring into the lives of these little children uh, the love of Jesus and his care for each one of them. And Father, we also thank you for the other ministries in this church use our facility here. Uh, Lord, there are so many ways that we really want to reach out and uh, into our community, into the college students, and into our colleagues and friends and others uh, that we know in the community. And we just pray that you will continue to use Valley in this way to uh, just share the word and share the wonderful gift that you have given to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Henry. What an exciting opportunity for our church to be involved in, impacting our world here. Uh, I'm excited about the plans for how we're going to work with our college students coming back to Towson this fall. I'm excited about what God is just doing in our midst uh, to not only use us here, 
but to use us as a light to the world. Let's hear uh, as our benediction today but the words of the Apostle Paul uh, from Philippians chapter 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but rather made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of his servant. And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has exalted him to the highest place and given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess to the, that Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. May that testimony and witness be yours all throughout this week as you follow Jesus as Savior. Amen. Come join us uh, in the gym. There are plenty of refreshments. We want to meet uh, those of you who are new. And in just a few minutes, we'll be starting the business meeting uh, as we get there.